listening to the Mobcast Network. See, real simple, real easy, nothing to it. As we start, I'm getting to the record button. So, uh, hi, welcome to the weekly Mobcast. This is episode 11. For those who've been counting, this is the one where we were going to sacrifice our, our, our my normal co-host uh, Aaron Lynch Kelly to our podcast gods. He's not here, so I'm gonna let you just take that up with yourself. If he returns, or if not, or if the podcast gets better listeners, more listeners, we know we've done right. But <laughs> uh, I'm actually in the lovely, lovely headquarters <laughs> of Inverse Press. Uh, yeah, we'll call it the headquarters. Uh, you're in the, the waiting area, the, the lobby. The lobby of Inverse Press. Kind of Inverse Press's version of the Terra Dome. <laughs> yeah. But uh, more cushiony. Very, very soft. Yeah. Very, very soft. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a special guest host uh, this week, uh, Kevin Laporte, Thank dear you, old friend. Thank you. And um, we're going to talk all kinds of stuff. But first, um, you know, we have business to do, so we have to do our advertiser tonight. Uh, this week, we are sponsored by, you guessed it, Inverse Press. Yay. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, you can uh, listen to the ad now. Now, from Inverse Press, the absentee. When a test pilot returns from an interdimensional quest to find a new energy source, he finds himself possessed by a demon. He learns to control the demonic form of his own mind and use its supernatural abilities. But while he is away, the demon uses his body to wreak havoc. Get this terrifying comic written by Kevin Laporte with art by Rando Dixon at InversePress.com. The Absentee. And that was a great ad. Thanks. <laughs> Gives us edit points. I'm trying to make good products to advertise with great ads. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's our that's our slogan. <laughs> well, you, you've had some you've had some really good success. Uh, you, what, you four bucks, five bucks. Uh, um, there's so many going and uh, in process. It's hard for me to count. So we had Clown Town, Clown Town, uh, Flesh of White, Roadkill Du Jour. Last Ride for Horseman, The Absentee, those are kind of the series that we've had involved on uh, on Kickstarter and through conventions and through some retail outlets, and then we've had one-shots like Eyes of the Hurricane, things like that. So, so. that's cool. Uh, Roquette Du Jour was our first advertiser, so we were very we were thankful for that. And well, well, thank you for uh, having <laughs> our crazy, weird little book about eating uh, street carrion so, on your show. So, where, where did that come from? I mean... I mean, for those who are, who are not keeping score, um, you know, originally the podcast is in Western Union, and we, in Western Union we have our share of roadkill, but now we're in Alabama, where I'm from originally, and uh, we also have our share of roadkill. It's a, it's a thing with southern states, I suppose. Yeah, when Amanda, and I, uh, Amanda Rachels and I set out to do this comic thing, we were promoting Clown Town initially. We were going around to a lot of shows um, in the southeast and even in the southwest, um, and I, I think we were in... Uh, coming back from Austin, Texas, from Wizard World Austin, and there were crazy things like sheep roadkill, and <laughs> and, and, uh, and you know we. I mean, it's tragic, but it still makes me laugh. Yeah, uh, you know, meat is meat, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> is that uh, a night breed? I, <laughs> so so the, the director's cut. <laughs> something like Clive Barker would come <laughs> up with meat is meat. <laughs> no, that's mine, Scotty. <laughs> All right, sorry. So Kevin Laporte came. Kevin Laporte would meet this week. But and we get bored on these trips, and so we throw story ideas back and forth on like goofy ones. But this one stuck. It was like 
And then what if there was a guy who ate the roadkill and gained the powers of whatever he ate? And then, it, you know, which a lot of Sons of Anarchy at the time, so the biker element came, came into in, yeah. it. And just to make it a little more interesting. And um, it kind of built from there. So, And that's where a lot of ideas come from, just off-the-cuff types of stuff that I would make a note of and build from there. So, so my question to you is, what power would you get if you ate cheap? <laughs> um, you'd be very warm and soft to the touch, and people would like to hang out with you. <laughs> and, do, do people but, but really want to hang Beware of farmers. <laughs> Scotsman. <laughs> I don't know, do, do people really want to hang out with you? I don't. I never look at you and be like, "That's a dude I need to hang but out wool, with." Wool, Scotty, wool. And if it was really cold, well, yeah, I mean, it, it does get cold. Body, and, yeah. Cold in West Virginia, we do get snow, so that's <laughs> oh, that's very very cool. Uh, obviously, a comics fan from way back. Yo, uh, since the mid seventies. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm if, old. If we all are, um, I if if I. I'm correct in remembering your Facebook. You had a uh, an Iron Man fathead. Yeah, I did. Uh, um, a cover. I was looking for a fathead um, for a Christmas gift, coincidentally. And, and for those who don't know what fatheads, we're not talking about like people with giant heads. <laughs> fathead's a company that makes vinyl posters that's yeah, that re- all decals. Re-deca- Most of what they do are like uh, sports figures, right? And, but they're life size, you know. Um, you know, so your Peyton Manning's and Tom Brady's and things like that. There's people that worship, you know, these guys put them on their walls. I and put I don't know if they put <laughs> candles around them or, or whatever they do and worship <laughs> at their feet. I, I don't know. But, uh, but anyway, I was looking for, like, uh, genre nerd stuff on fatheads.com. And so I was just looking at the Iron Man stuff, and I came across the cover to Iron Man 170, uh, which is a comic I picked up. Not nearly the first comic I picked up, but it was the first one I picked up after a long break. I was 12. Found it at Kathy's Drugstore in Whistler, Alabama, which is a very bad area of town now. In fact, they just closed it because the... Like the town or the... the <laughs> like, they need to close the town. They, is it like, it's like a uh, Escape from New York thing. They turned it into a prison. Yeah. And then they closed the pharmacy because the guy was selling scissor out the back door. Oh, well, so, you got to make a living. Yeah, but anyway, in 1983, I bought Iron Man 170. There's the issue where Jim Rhodes becomes Iron Man because Tony's too plastered. To get in the armor. Yeah, the kids won't know today. They won't need get to see drunk Tony Stark. I don't think. No, they do now because that's what Marvel has decided is a good idea to make superior Iron Man a drunk. So. Oh, okay, cool. So he is superior, uh, or not? <laughs> and really, um, I saw a line today that I thought was funny. Is that it's really just Daredevil because it's all about Daredevil. <laughs> the first issues have been all about Daredevil getting his sight back. It's like, which is fine with me. I just wish Mark Wade was writing and so it'd be worth a damn. So, so if, with, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So Daryl's getting his, got his sight back? With Extremis, yes. And, oh, of course. Extremis is, is like the Scarlet Witch. <laughs> it does anything. No more blindness. Yeah, my back's itching. Here's some Extremis. Throw them on the Side effects include exploding. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I've got a gambling addiction. Extremis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tony should take it. Tony should, should use it for his alcoholism. Yeah, if Ari could just not return to drinking after forty years, <laughs> um, you know, maybe missed a beer. <laughs> um, I, 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 I started out comics and I started a little differently. Um, you'll remember this, and the the folks at home will have no idea, but I'm still going to tell the story anyway. Um, there was a comic shop here for the longest time in Mobile, Sincere Comics, run, <laughs> run by. Uh, uh, a gentleman named Dave Sincere. He was a Neanderthal. <laughs> he was a Neanderthal. He was. He was pretty much a Neanderthal. 
and um, I started getting comics in the in middle school, and I got a, I was a big Star Wars fan, um, and so I started with the Marvel Star Wars series, and that's how I got into it, <laughs> and so. Uh, you know all those really classic stories that that made no sense whatsoever. It had really nothing to do with Star Wars, like the big green rabbit that they decided to put in. There. Yeah, right, the giant rabbit. Or <laughs> uh, my favorite was uh, issue fifty, the Crimson Forever, where Luke just stares off into space and have this existential moment inside himself, <laughs> listening to Pink Floyd. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, you find out there's more Mandalorians besides Boba Fett out there, and and that, that was kind of neat. Uh, you stared out into space thinking, "What if she wasn't my sister?" Or <laughs> <laughs> well, you think at Splinters of the Mind's Eye if you ever read that, they weren't, and they sort of make out, and it's like awkward <laughs> once you find out the truth. Um, and I don't know if that's canon or not, but still awkward. Um, I'm kind of in my mind. I read it; it happened. <laughs> and then. Um, I, I collected baseball cards. I, I was never a baseball fan, but um, the other kids in my neighborhood collected baseball cards. And so, out of peer pressure, I collected baseball cards. And from that, uh, you, you only get cards from um, the flea market on Schillinger stuff out here. And um, so, I guess 1991, Marvel had a series of cards mm-hmm. uh, from Impel. Yes. And uh, I picked it up, and I cracked open the pack, and there was because you know it looked interesting. I knew Spider-Man and stuff, and suddenly I found out there's like oh, there's a black costume Spider-Man, and a dude named Venom, and you know just other. And so I got hooked on. I was like, I need to start reading comics, and so I just got hooked after that. Yeah, for me it's Spinner Racks, man. Uh, it's a shame those things don't exist anymore; that they're not used. That's why the you know, comics sell twenty thousand copies now instead of two hundred thousand copies, even the, the crappy ones. Right. Because nobody knows where to find them. Right. And you have to know what special shop is and cross your fingers that your town has one of the few remaining comics. Yeah, shops brick and mortars. You know, it's, it's it's something going, sadly going away. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and if you find them, they're all game stores now. I mean, you know, you don't find nothing but Magic the Gathering and weird funk. Well, the, the two local ones here, FOS Comics and 99 Issues, are actually very good comic shops, and they actually... It plugs out to those places. They are. They're, they're great, and um, they both do a really good job of embracing new customers and introducing them to the properties and t- walking them around the store, and it's just a, well, it's it's also, a really nice experience. And another thing, they, they also are, are supportive of, of local comics. Yes. And that's that's important. Yeah. I mean, I mean, taking that old old record store vibe you know you got a new band or something check you know here's a place you know outlet for you to to, to see the new things and so that's very cool and um, when I had my comic shop open Ground Zero where you were the guy that walked people around and <laughs> yeah I was that guy uh, I don't remember anybody bringing their comics in locally no I mean there, there wasn't really anyone producing there, there was that one guy that brought his space dog what was oh that? no the space dog book oh my god <laughs> space dog book it was oh I was actually thinking about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I don't remember what the context was. All right, so this this guy comes into the store and um, he's excited because he's got, he's got a he self published a children's book. Yes, and it's it's something like Space Johnny and his dog or something. And space Dog Rex. Is that what space it was? Dog Rex. I'm, I'm pretty sure. If I, it's, if, 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 space Dog. Rex. If I, I shouldn't knew we were talking about this, I would have just called Tom. He probably still has it. <laughs> brought it in but um it was um it needed an editor and a proofreader <laughs> yeah and, and and this guy possibly needs some meds i'm just gonna go out there and say he probably well, you are professional you would know 
you know if someone needs needs meds. Uh, so, yeah. So I think that was the only thing. The only thing that we had that was um, a new property coming because no, no one was really really producing things. No, but if you go into sh- into any shop now, people are begging for shelf space, and it's hard to get shelf space because there's so many right. people that want it. If you get it, it's at a premium. So it's it's our our local shops are great, and I found a, a few others in Southeast, which is kind of where we're stuck. Um, who've been supportive, but it's, um, so how far is your reach? Like, I mean, I mean, we've had we had Clown Town um, and uh, Astro Zombies in Albuquerque. They very were very nice. supportive. Had us out there for signing a couple of years back. Um, Acme Comics up in um, oh, they're gonna kill me. I'm forgetting where they're at. Uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. Say luck there. We got you. <laughs> Uh, We're just plugging all these LCSs. You know? Yeah, Jermaine and the, and the guys up there have been real supportive of all our stuff. They have Amanda up for a pre-comic book day every year. Um, all the way down in Florida, um, there's an Acme there in Orlando that's, that's carried our stuff. Right. Secret Headquarters in Tallahassee carries our books. And Three Alarm Comics in, in uh, Ocean Springs, Mississippi, not too far away. Right. Carries our books. and uh, So, trying to get out there. Um. Now we're comfy on the couch here at the the luxurious Terradome that is the uh, Inverse Press headquarters. Um, <laughs> but um, I don't have my my fire bat yet. But I'm working, working on, on it. it. Working on it. Yeah, got to build to the fire bat, right? Got to got to build to the fire bat. I'm I, I'm happy. I'm happy what um, the internet's done for not just for comics but for for just makers. Mm-hmm. It's now easier to make anything and get things out, and I think that's I think that's a wonderful thing for creativity. the 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 flip side is that you run into people who think they can that everyone can do it, and I'm saying that with a podcast. Who's you know, there's a billion podcasts out there, but you know, we were talking about this earlier. You know, I, I don't do this because there's a billion out there. I do this because I'm going to do this anyway. Mm-hmm. Same way with comics. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you're going to write regardless. You might as well have someone look at it. I mean, it's, it's a it's, you might as well produce it. And so, and you've been through the rigmarole that is, uh, you know, being a publisher. Oh yeah, yeah, and it is a rigmarole. It's a grind. Um, totally worth it uh, in terms of just the gratification of creating something, um, and to have people come up and say they enjoyed it right and it just you know uh, makes that gratification tenfold it is, in, is enjoyable but um, yeah if it wasn't for web resources none of it would be happening oh, of course not yeah. um, you wouldn't have the collaboration I mean I wouldn't even know the local guys that I work with unless it was for the internet I right. actually met, met Nathan Smith uh, who does uh, the art for Last Ride for Horsemen through the internet before I met him in person. Right. And I had um, known him for years. Yeah, and I'm not sure that I would have necessarily right. met him in person if I hadn't met him through the internet. And, or at least got involved with him on an artistic level. And then he introduced me to Rando Dixon. Right. He does the art on the MCT. I never would have met Rando, I don't think, if it wasn't for... So, it's a, you know, it's a chain of dominoes like anything else, but it all started with doing this clown town competition on the internet. Right. And if I hadn't done that, none of this happens. And, you know, maybe I have some free time. <laughs> Oh, you wouldn't trade it in for the world. No, um, but I would like some free time once in a while. <laughs> well, you can, you can take, well, no, you can't take free time. You, no, you have I'm, a one-year-old. Yeah. And you have a one-year-old who, who uh, just got put to bed. She's adorable, by the way, if you've not seen the pictures. I got to see her in person, so ha. Uh, <laughs> I feel pleasure. I even got the weird stare, but she I think she warmed up to, to me toward the end. She did. She started talking and smiling. She was happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we're trying to be not too loud. Um, 
but we're pretty sure she'll sleep like a rock. She's out. I've got the noisemaker going. It's all good. <laughs> but you know, going back to what we were talking about, uh, she'll never find comics just at random by accident like I did. Right. You know, uh, walking into a convenience store. And I guess people find them on the web now, but you have to know where to look. And most of it's web comics, and it's not the same. Right. Uh, it's, they're, it's not. they're not geared to kids. That's uh, true. Um, and I'm not sure some of the stuff I was reading was geared to kids. Not that it was too mature, but... Hulk comics were weird oh, yeah. in the 70s. They were freaking weird. And that's what I loved about them. They gave me this bizarre feeling when I read them about this angry person that suddenly had these superpowers. And uh, it was just, they're crazy. Right. Uh, Marvel was so was so much better in the 70s, in my opinion. Right. And I I, I got into comics in the, in, in that, that first 90s swell. So, Sorry about that. Uh, but... <laughs> It's 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 like anything else. There, there's a time and place for everything, and I, I think there were some good stories in there. I like, I still remember, still enjoy uh, Type of Furling's Torment, the 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 first five he did with the lizard, mm-hmm. and and that and um, Hobgoblin when when Hobgoblin was possessed by some demon, and McFarlane's art on that was fantastic. It's well, yeah, yeah, you know, and so you got great art plus this really interesting story and taking Spider Man in places I'd never thought you would take Spider Man because I, I only remember Spider Man at the time from you know him and his amazing friends in the early eighties and still awesome. It's still still awesome, but <laughs> and so and I remember that one and then I got into I read that for a while. I liked um, Sub Sub City with Morbus Morbius. Yeah, the living vampire. Mm-hmm. They did when he was hanging out with the Morlocks for some reason because they thought that was a great idea, but. Put Spider-Man back in the black costume, and he went, and and that was great art. I guess it's thirteen and fourteen. I just, I actually just bought the hardback of that this past year, because I was like, I have remember these stories, and I hadn't read them in forever, but they still hold up. And um, the 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 Jim Lee Chris Claremont X Men, the five cover one, you know, you know, oh, yeah. you know. the one that destroyed comics. <laughs> it's true. It is. It is. It it, there's. Uh, financial articles about how that book broke the back of the retail comics industry oh, yeah. for a decade. And that's why everybody still, you know, people that didn't even have comics now, they were allotted a copy of <laughs> each version of that cover because they were more made than the population of the United States, I think. And, 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 and that, that, great, that became a, um, it just snowballed because it, it, from that you got, you know, holograms and f- chromium, foil, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and some of that was happening before that, but it was just that the, Mary, the relaunching started with that. And, uh, yeah, but there was the there was a run on Avengers where they had these uh, embossed metallic covers for every anniversary issue. Yeah, you know? and but they didn't go crazy with it. There was only one version, right? Uh, and and so it was like, oh, this is okay, even if I have to pay. You know, at what at the time was like two forty nine. Yeah, it's like, ooh, god, I'm really invested in this comic. Um, but I mean, you were because I mean, I guess what they were about ninety nine cents an issue back back then. then. About twenty five, yeah. About twenty five, yeah. Somewhere around there, unless it was Image, then it was more. Yeah, and they were terrible. Um, for the most part, yeah, they were. I mean, I think Image, you know, Image had a lot to to prove, and I don't think they had the ideas to back it up. No um, proof, and no offense to anybody. A proof that most artists need a writer to collaborate with. I agree. And if they, if they if those guys had worked with writers, even on a like a consulting basis, right? I mean, Wildcats could have been something really. Oh, Wildcats amazing. could have. I mean, there's there's such an idea in Wildcats, mm-hmm. and it's just and Jim Lee's art 
is is beautiful. But yeah, let me say this: Jim Lee's over DC now, and yeah. he's not. You know, yeah, there's a reason. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a reason why they've got three good books. Right, fifty-two. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not, and I've never been a DC guy. I, I've I've read some. I'll, I'll, there's some things I, I love. Batman Cataclysm. I like the whole idea mm-hmm. of gritty, crazy Batman, mm-hmm. and wish they would have really committed that in the Dark Knight, but they didn't. <laughs> or the Dark Knight Rises. I, I wish they committed that in, in, in that film, but they didn't. Um. I, I jumped on board, board, I guess, at the first launch of the 52, and was, well, I'll give it a shot, and I think the only thing out of it I liked was I Vampire, because, I Which mean, lasted eight issues. Yeah, and, and Josh Falkoff is a, is a, you know, I know him, and so, so mm-hmm. you know, yeah, like, same with, like, Gail Simone, a red bad girl, because, you know, you know I've yeah. met her in passing, and, you know, it's she's typically an entertaining writing, but even mm-hmm. that, after a while, was just like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> And, and a lot of them are like that, unfortunately. I don't want to get out there bashing, but um, there are some, there are some good books. Um, they, they don't last very long, unfortunately. The New Secret Six started out well. Um, Batman has stayed consistently pretty good. Um, art art wise, it's gorgeous, just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm failing to think of any others, but I'm sure there's one or two others that I picked up. Uh, I tried the the titles that I generally like from DC, like. Um, uh, Suicide Squad, but it never it never caught me. Um, Justice League has been great mm-hmm. the last few issues. Um, this run where they've got Lex Luthor and Captain Cold uh, in the league, right? It's, it's really fun. Oh, Captain Cold! <laughs> <laughs> so Glass is a park guy. I'm even and a water gun. <laughs> a really cold has, water gun. The Flash has the worst rogues. <laughs> Some people argue he has the best, but as far as power, yes, he has well, the worst. Or design, what was it? Yeah. The Weatherman? What's the what's the guy with the rats? Um, Pie Piper. Piper. That's just mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Trickster. Which he's only cool because he's played by Mark Hamill in live action. Right, he's going to be uh, again on the, the. And I've not seen the show. I haven't seen Arrow either. But um, well. <laughs> I tried. You did, did you? Yeah, just. It's, I mean, I like Green Arrow. I, I like I like the Green Arrow stuff before Fifty Two happened. Yes, that was a solid book. It was very mm-hmm. solid, and way way interesting and and surprising. I mean, I read. I, mean, I was reading issue after issue, and then Fifty Two. I was like, oh, I guess it's going to continue. And it was like, no, this weird thing with him and, and Deathstroke that didn't really make sense. No, and so it never has made sense. <laughs> I mean, they've they've tried to mine every decent writer they could come across, and I think. You know, based on what you read in the editorial, quote unquote, interference, they're basically quashing ideas and just steamrolling uh, any kind of creativity and turning out some pretty boring, flat material. I mean, some great writers uh, are really falling into obscurity with these books right. at DC right now. Hopefully, it'll turn around. They're canceling like 25% of the line in April or. May or something. Let's do another relaunch. Why not? (laughs) When you're down to Clary on the Witch Boy as a viable, (laughs) uh, you know, number one comic in 2014, it's time to reevaluate. I'm really wanting my Wonder Twins book. (laughs) It's not out of the question if Clarion's got a book. Or uh, (laughs) what's the uh, Marvin Wendy and the the dog? uh, Wonder. Wonder what? Yeah, a Wonder Dog. Or something Wonder, like that. Wonder Mutt was on Blue Falcon, right? <laughs> yes, something, one of those things. And yeah, yeah. 
you know, those those characters are in a book, and the Wonder Dog ate, ate them. It was I want to say it was a. It was a DC book. It was a it, Titans or yes, it was. It was, Titans. A, it was a Titans it was book. Titans. It was a Titans book. Yeah, the dog ate them. Yeah, the dog ate them. It was like, <laughs> and it all looked innocent, and then suddenly, you know, this ate them. How the hell did that get through editorial? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Cujo. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, Marvel's had its share of, of, of weird stuff to go through too. So you know, you know, uh, the Spider Man and the. Let's not have a wedding. Let's let's get rid of the marriage, which I think was a, one more day was a bad idea. Well, I mean, retconning is just basically a marketing tool at this point, right? And I don't, I don't, so I don't care as much as long as the stories are good, right? The problem with what DC did is they canceled some pretty good books and put out some books that are just, you know, okay, they're all right, right? <laughs> but um, but some of the Marvel stuff is still really good. Um, we were talking about the X-Men books earlier. Yeah, I'm a huge X-Men I, fan. I think they're probably the best they've been in about 10 years. I agree. On, on the whole. On a whole, I um, agree. Bendis should have been writing X-Men all along. It's His true. dialogue-driven type of style um, lends itself to what Claremont built all this on. Exactly. Um, I really miss Claremont. The Nightcrawler series has been such a nice callback to what... Uh, I like Claremont when Claremont's on his meds. <laughs> I mean, because you know, him and Alan Davis had that run of Uncanny. Uh, about five six years ago, it didn't last long though. They didn't really give him time to do anything. I don't know. It was just a few issues. I wonder, then, well, because I think he gets mad. I've I've seen him in some panels, and he cares. Right. He, he, oh yeah, he does he, care. He cares about those characters. He cares about his legacy with those characters, and uh, and I, you know, I think the same reason he left on the back breaking X Men number one from the early nineties is the reason he keeps leaving here. Mm-hmm. It's because they keep kind of pounding him in the head to do what they wanted to do instead of letting this guy who created this and made it what it is from a like quarterly book uh, that Neil Adams took on as a challenge and then gave up on to you know the easily the best Marvel title for 12 13 years in the 80s and early 90s right I mean I think Marvel's success is currently is built on what what foundation the X-Men that that property grew I mean yeah I mean, uh, we, even the '90s, minus the books, and and comics, you know, everything else is is there to, to sell comics anyway. I mean, everything else is a, the properties. What can we a make money off? But how we can sell more books? And uh, I, I know in high school we were all reading X Men because of the animated series. As as silly as that cartoon, have you have, have, have you went back and revisited? I'll tell. I'll be honest with you. I'm an X Men snob, total X Men snob. I, I, and when they make some crappy X Men stuff, I don't bother with it. Oh, you didn't. And so I, I've been reading X Men for like six or seven years when that cartoon came out, right. and I just thought it was total tripe. <laughs> <laughs> and so I never. I, I watched a few, and um, I mean, even the old Pride of the X Men, where Wolverine has an Australian accent, well, it's still no, better than that well, cartoon. No kidding, <laughs> no kidding, the X Men. I'm like, wait a minute, aren't you a school? <laughs> Then <laughs> everyone except you kind of start out as a kid. <laughs> it's adult studies, mate. <laughs> We're <a> college. <laughs> we design our own curriculum. <laughs> Oi! <laughs> Blimey! Because that's how they talk in British Columbia. Oh, <laughs> uh, my favorite thing in that is uh, Nightcrawler and the Blob. Um, towards the end. and and if if um, you haven't seen it, I will post. It's on YouTube. I'll post a link. I'm actually post post. Yeah, I'll post a link to the episode on the website and, and stuff. But um, there's a great you know, every, the X Men are trying to fight Magneto, 
and this weird rogue of I guess of the Brotherhood of Evil mutants at the time. So it's it's Blob and Pyro and White Queen and Toad. And no Avalanche. Oh, and Avalanche and Avalanche because Pyro's there, so you got to have Avalanche. Yes, you, you got to have Avalanche, <laughs> Pyro, and the Blob to have the nine, the late eighties, right? Brotherhood, Brotherhood, and so um, Nightcrawler is, are you know, is running down the hallway, and there's Blob shows up and says, "Nothing moves the Blob," and he's like, "I don't intend to." And he teleports behind him, and for some reason, Blob just gives up. He's like. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to turn around. <laughs> you have outwitted me again, sir. <laughs> you outsmarted me again, Nightcrawler. Nothing moves the blob. <laughs> not even the blob. <laughs> I, just, I just declare, I have nothing moves me. So I can't move. That's <laughs> worst mutant power ever. I just, <laughs> um, and then Lockheed shows up at the and like for no reason and it's like oh he'll attach herself to Kitty Pride. and here's a dragon yeah here's a dragon <laughs> that was just hanging out on asteroid M for no reason <laughs> and so who who knew what we could have got out of that also side note the voice of Cyclops is uh, Cyclops and that is Duke from G.I. Joe that's the first thing I noticed because he's got the first line and it's like oh it's Duke that's another reason I like it <laughs> <laughs> that's right you are you too that's I mentioned the, the Terror Dome um um Kevin's a big G.I. Joe fan, old-time yep. toy collector. Yep. Yeah. I no longer collect things. Um, got, <laughs> but you saw my collection before I, saw your collection before I dumped it. Before you dumped um, it, yeah. I can, it's been about 12 years ago now when I unloaded it all. But, yeah, I miss it. I miss uh, – I still love the Joes. You saw the Cobra tag on the front yeah, of my car. Yeah, he's got a Cobra tag on the front uh, of his car. You know, I still have my Snake Eyes uh, straight arm on the rapid-fire motorcycle upstairs. <laughs> Well, a major keep... blood that came in the mail. Yeah, you know, don't give me one on a card. card. <laughs> it had to come in the mail because that's legit. It's legit. Otherwise, you are not true GI Joe. Uh, I've got that. my Cobra Commander straight on that came in the mail. Yeah. So I didn't know the. Good, I, I didn't remember the Cobra Commander. That was the first special offer. Was it? Yeah. So, eleven-year-old me was excited when that came in the mail. I was very happy. Oh, awesome! <laughs> um, we did a. a we did G.I. to the movie uh, for Bros. Booze movies, and that'll be airing probably the same week we do this this one, or maybe the week after, but it, it'll be coming. And so I watched it with a bunch of guys who, who've never seen the cartoon, and so um, which was great because they didn't know what to expect out of Cobra Law. And because, and, 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 you know, G.I. to the movie is kind of like um, From Dust to Dawn. It's a different movie, and then suddenly it switches. That's right. I mean, it's just. This straight up normal mm-hmm. G.I. Joe episode where Cobra and G.I. Joe are fighting over something, and then suddenly there are organic stuff, you know, just salads and <laughs> Nemesis Enforcer mm-hmm. and Globulus and yeah. Don Johnson for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> because it was 1987, that's why. That's why. But it's, you know, I have a lot of affection for that. I haven't seen it probably since 1988 or 89. But I remember it clearly because the the uh, the theme at the beginning is so badass. It is. It is. It's the Cobra really theme is awesome. Cobra. Cobra. And then uh, it opens with that scene with the Cobra Law ninja chick. Right. Yeah. That's a really Pythona. cool scene. Pythona. Never so made a never, figure for her. No figure. That's no why f- I don't remember. She she doesn't. She gets disqualified as mattering. Because well, I, 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 and I guess Hasbro was on the, the theory that, that female characters didn't sell. I mean, that's a big thing for, for boys' toys. Anyway, that's why there's only... You know, a few versions of Princess Leia in Star Wars, and then we got what Scarlet Lady J. Jeans. No, I mean they were obviously declaring a war on women. <laughs> I mean, that's what was going on there. G.I. Joe declares war on women. 
Except that one episode where they had um, in, in the cartoon where um, Baroness got the the seashell that that's put all men to sleep or made them all love, but they were immune to women. So you, then you find out that Cobra's got a whole legion of, of, of women who work for, and GI Joe does too. And so there's this fight between Lady Joes and Cobras, led by like. Covergirl and Lady J and Scarlet and that's pre-Jinx. So that, that, I guess that was the three women. And then there was because because you know they had the generic the Green Joe the, on the cartoon, and so yes. the, they had the female version. <laughs> yeah. I don't know yeah. why I just remember that. <laughs> Claire's day. There's some really weird episodes of that cartoon. Oh, they're they're all weird. The alternate universe. It's ones my favorite. Where Steeler for some reason Steeler Breaker with, and Tripwire. But Steeler goes out of continuity. <laughs> Because he stays with Baroness in the alternate future. <laughs> well, Breaker and Tripwire stays because they're supposed to be dead. Right, so they, stay, right. they, they stay with them. So, yeah. um, that's the, they're first and second series, so they just wanted to get them out of the toy well, line. They so. weren't really in the cartoon series at all. I mean, they were just background characters. I mean, you know, in the first run you had you know, Scarlet and Duke and Snake Eyes, of course. And um, Doc would show up from time to time mm-hmm. and Roadblock would rhyme. Mm-hmm. And... And then everybody else made sort of um, until Quick Cake showed up with this stupid John Wayne thing. Yeah, and that's not until like yeah. it's the Weather Dominator he didn't show up to, right? Flint, 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 Flint was the, around quite a bit. And but Flint was that, that was he's the, the next one, the, the next the next jump because mm-hmm. you know that's that's Revenge of Cobra when Flint shows up, yes. him and Lady J, mm-hmm. and Snow Job shows up because there's snow, right? At one point, um, and then, and they, then uh, torpedo because they have to fight the giant worm things in the hard water, right? Um, <laughs> and that because that's the mass device, isn't it? Yeah, these people listening to this feel so sorry for us right now. <laughs> yeah, who cares? Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> I literally have not seen this show since I was twelve. All right, so <laughs> I remember everything. Oh, I've seen I've seen the mass Div- <laughs> when they were playing hockey with that piece of the uh, weather dominator. Yeah, with the dreadnoughts. See, in fact, you're you're that they're all one episode to you because they're because that's I'm mashing them all up because they're three that's three separate okay so, so the hard water is is the mass device so that's yes, the first one that's right and the weather dominator is revenge of cobra okay and then um then there's pyramid of darkness and that's the one where they they basically do the ending of uh escape from la where they just <laughs> shut up all power out <laughs> and they're weird gremlin aliens that live on the um space station that turn big yeah. For some reason, Cobra <laughs> Commander wanted Gremlins. Never made a toy of those. But and, uh, to be on those writing teams, <laughs> I, I want that opportunity to write a cartoon like that. Oh yeah, that would be amazing. It's just crazy. Like, all right. So as a collector, um, explain to me the Cobra Snake, the armor. It snakes the armor, right? Oh yeah, just the uh, the one where you can have the like the blowtorch hand and the rifle hand, right? And, and then the claw hand, right? I I got this stupid toy when I was like seven. Uh-huh. It's most ridiculous. You're supposed to put a guy in it or whatever. No, it brainwashed Joes. So oh. you put Joes in it and oh. brainwash them, and then they work for Cobra in this armor. And, uh, I didn't know it had a backstory. Yes, it did. <laughs> see. You, talk, you came to the right place okay, okay, okay. for okay, G.I. Joe trivia. See, I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm yeah. good. Uh-huh. That's awesome. I didn't know... I didn't and know. it was a cheap vehicle accessory. It was. I mean, it was like yeah. $6.99 yeah, or something. Yeah, it was $6.99. In 1980s money. Right. It would be like $12.99 now. Right. And, um, and it was worth every penny to $6.99. Oh, yeah. It's better than anything you can buy now. Right. Like, outside of uh, the Star Wars stuff that's out there now. Uh, it's just... Because the current Joe stuff is pitiful. I haven't seen any of the current Joe stuff. It looks I like mean, molten wax. The, it's so terrible. 
Every now and then I look at like when they do a convention and they have the collector series. There was mm-hmm. a, and I, I get tempted. I never buy because I'm poor. But um, and I'm glad some days I don't have money because I'd have s- some ridiculous stuff like. They put out a couple of years ago uh, a Crimson Guard set, which was all these Crimson Guard guys in a red Baroness and like oh, red his tanks. And I'm like, I kind of want that. And then you realize, like, what am I going to do with it? I'm not, you know, I'm 30 years old. I'm not going to play with it. <laughs> Here's what almost broke me of my no buying G.I. Joe's claws um, is, uh, I, I guess, at Comic Con two years ago, um, they've been doing these packages. With a G.I. Joe figure and a Transformer, and needed a Starscream with Cobra Commander as the pilot. Now, why do you Transform- get that? And I'm like, why do you get that? Because I don't let myself buy those things anymore. <laughs> okay, so, you know, listeners, you know, just pull your money together. It's probably on eBay. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I forget what the one was last year, but it was almost just as cool. So, if someone gifts it to you, it's okay, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll put it somewhere here in the in the lobby. <laughs> For all the, I mean, I've got the Star Wars stuff up there. My mandatory Chewbacca in every room. It's just uh, just just good luck. Yeah, it is good luck. <laughs> so, what? Two two part question, because obviously, you know, as a kid, you had toys that you couldn't get when you when you had money and 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 could collect. So, as a kid, what was your favorite Joe toy, figure or playset or vehicle? Um. I mean, we were we were pretty hard up for money, so I didn't dream too big. Um, I love the more the hydrofoil. Oh yeah, the, the red hydrofoil, oh, yeah. the, the cool silver and blue guy that drove it. That's the most badass G.I. Joe toy ever made. Who was the pilot? Lampreys. Was it the Lampreys the pilot yeah. for that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was the coolest toy. I think to me, that's the sharpest looking toy they made. The foils work; they popped up. I mean, it's just like the littoral combat ships they make here in Mobile now. Right. Um, that was the so basically we're saying mobiles bailing covert weapon. <laughs> hey, right. I'm not saying that. I'm but just, I'm just saying. saying. <laughs> you know, I, I saw a couple of twins that run that ship <laughs> shipyard. One of them had a scar on his face. That's all I know. <laughs> they completed each other's sentences, which oh, is a little disturbing. What, what was it? Extensive enterprises. Yes. So mm-hmm. see, look at me, bro. That that's pretty stuff. good. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, after okay, so. Obviously, the, the, I, I never had one, but it, it definitely looked. I had a bunch of. Mom would always go to uh, Goodwill. Mom had an addiction to Goodwill. <clears throat> Mom worked um, when I was in elementary school. Um, she worked as a uh, a jailer at at the Baldwin County Jail in, ba- in Bayman, Alabama. And so, but she always worked the graveyard shift, so she'd get off in the morning, and so she'd go by Goodwill like when they opened, mm-hmm. when they put out the good stuff. And this was before eBay, so. You know, right. tons of G.I. Joe and Star Wars toys. That's how I got most of the, the toys I played. Mm-hmm. I had a, a, a sweet collection, but it was all secondhand through Goodwills and Yard Sales. But I had a ton of water moccasins. I mean, every kid <laughs> bought, got a Cobra water moccasin, yeah. and, and, and I, I think I inherited all of them. None of them complete. All I, with the rudders broken and off all the, the back. You know, and, the, the, and the cockpit the, all smashed. The little, the little ski torpedo underneath he was all busted up. up or missing. And, and Copperhead yeah. didn't have an arm. <laughs> oh, Copperhead. <laughs> The, actually, the first copperhead I got was when they did the Python Patrol. That was my first copperhead. <laughs> copperhead's all pissed because they had to wear sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm from the swamps. It's hot. <laughs> I always pretend like him and Gung Ho were brothers and they just <laughs> that's a That's a G.I. Joe comic need to be written. <laughs> yep. Mama was never proud of you, copperhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, uh, so after after um, you um, 
started collecting, what was what's your favorite pace? Um, it was that one. I, I never deviated from that really. I love that that hydrofoil, but um, as far as figures, uh, the original Snake Eyes figure is still my favorite. I think. Yeah. The simplicity of it, even better than the one with the night mask, which I think everybody prefers. Right. It came with the the wolf timber. Um. <laughs> But to me, the figures are oh. the, the coolest thing about that All right, that and line. you may not remember this, but okay, so Timber shows up in... Um, he shows up in one of the first ones. I guess I think Mass Device. I think yes. he shows up in the Mass Device. Yes. And so... He was actually in the cartoon before he was a figure. Right, so you have Snake Eyes... I'm refreshing memory. All right, so they're looking for the red crystal stuff. Yes. Uh, the radioactive crystal stuff. Uh, he is separated from the rest of... Um, the Joes from some weird plexic some poison gas, and but and the, so it was like, like a, a weird plastic shield that there was somehow in this cave. It's naturally. a very Spock um, <laughs> Kirk moment when they touch the glass, right? On either side, and, and so you're ha- like, "Bitch, I can't talk." Which one do you do? <laughs> <laughs> so you have this red glowing, <laughs> glowing uh, snake guy roaming the woods. He gets out of the cave somehow, and he's roaming the woods, and he. Finds the wolf, and the wolf's like, "Oh, you're radioactive. You're cool." And then some some snow hobo takes him, <laughs> a blind snow hobo, who, who strips him, decontaminates Except him for his face. You know. Well, well, no, his face too, because because oh, right, right. he's blind. He didn't see what he looked like, yeah. and so because that's when you find out the snake has his blonde. That's right. Because because you, you mm-hmm. they give you the back shot, and but he he he. I'm marveling over the fact that he, you know, decontaminated. <laughs> he put the blind guy had some decon out there. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Cleaned him up, and then um, him and Timber find a ride on the back of a truck. So, 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 first question: They're hitchhiking. Guy completely in a black outfit, mask with a wolf. <laughs> Not the first person I'm going to pick up. But you got to know what's going on there. You got to know. It's like I know I'm probably going to die by picking these guys up. But there's a story. There's a story. If here. I survive this, nobody can top this damn story. <laughs> so this is mute ninja and his wolf I picked up the other day. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to believe that one. How did you know he's a ninja? I just he just looked like a ninja. See, see his outfit, dude. He had shuriken. Okay. <laughs> and so. Um, so do I. I've been to the flea market. I got shirts. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they get back to Joe headquarters, which everyone, anybody can drive up to, because literally they just he just drops off. It's like thanks for the ride. It went silently. Everyone, yeah, it was pre nine eleven. Everyone, everyone's happy to see Snake Eyes back because Snake Eyes has the crystal stuff because that's what he's bringing. He's yeah. got he, he's he got the crystals for everybody so they can do their own mass device. And then Cover Girl looks at and and then was like. Oh, you're Wolf Timber. Yeah. How did she know the name? Does I've been trying to figure this out for years. This is one of the one of the weird pop culture questions I have because the Snake Eyes would be like some sign language, like I'm naming his dog Timber. <laughs> we don't see off screen, or she just like I'm naming your dog because you can't talk. <laughs> Since you it's can't not like talk, he called somebody and told him <laughs> the Wolf's name. <laughs> so I, I just I don't know, so but Covergirl I guess names Timber. Maybe so. Maybe so. That was her one what? shining moment in all of G.I. Joe cartoon history. And and what was with G.I. Joe and animals? Like, 
I mean, I mean, I mean, G.I. Joe was an all-inclusive kind of, you know, multi. It really was. You know, because you had Spirit and. Um, I mean, a shipwreck. I mean, let's let's face it. They <laughs> they were accepting of all genders and sexual <laughs> right. orientations it's way before, before anybody, anybody else. else. Yeah. So. Um, what, what was it? His parrot was was a Polly. Yes, he had a parrot named Polly. Um, no coincidence, by the way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lifestyle, not it's just a, not just a parrot. <laughs> um, then you had uh, Spirit had the what was the Eagle? Um, freedom. Was it Freedom? It's yeah, Freedom. I should know that Native American. I'm, I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't know it's Freedom. Spirit Freedom. Because um, if there's anything Native Americans should respect, it's the American <laughs> government. <laughs> and Freedom, we need to. He looks at that bird and go, "One day." <laughs> Do you, remember, do you remember the episode they where... should have named him Genocide. So they should have named him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably if I was writing it. Um, did, did you... Um, do you remember the episode with Excalibur? Uh, vaguely. All right, vaguely. so... First... So, once again, the writers room were like, well, the Nazis went looking for all this mystical stuff. Let's have Cobra. I think that's how it kind of went down. Yes, you know? yes. Nazi was looking for the Ark, and yeah. you know that's why we have Raiders Lost Ark. But I think... I think that's why we get this Excalibur. Like Cobra's kind of like you know the Nazis. Let's 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 have them do this kind of stuff, and so, but it ends up in Storm Shadow's hands, which makes no sense. And the other the other side because it's like, well, he's a ninja. He likes swords. I guess that's the only explanation there. But instead of having Snake Eyes fight over it, they have Spirit fight over it. <laughs> so it's Spirit and Storm Shadow having this this moment about you know who's more at peace with whatever crazy foreign thing they're dealing with. <laughs> Battling over Excalibur. And whoever gets it is the king of England, right? (laughs) That's how it works. Spirit's like, take that, (laughs) mofos. And they just throw it back in the water. And they don't do anything with it. It's just like, the Lady of the Lake takes it back at the end. And it's like... Oh, I do remember that. And so, it's like... You know, I would have used it. I would have called that sucker up when, like, Cobra Law was attacking. Like, I need this to fight (laughs) Globulin. My favorite ones were the really stupid ones like uh, Cold Slither. Oh, Cold Slither was well, a You're a big Dreadnoughts fan, so I can... I am a big Dreadnoughts you're fan. You're a big Dreadnoughts fan. Yeah, and um, the Viper. Oh, the, the Viper. The Viper is coming. Coming, the Viper is coming. <laughs> that was really great. And then, uh, spoiler alert, it's just a, win- a window wiper. <laughs> oh, no, spoiler alert for something 25 years old. <laughs> oh, that's generous. I'm 30. <laughs> yeah, it's 30 plus years old. What? Oh, it was think, fun. Oh, what other ones? There was, um, but all eighties cartoons were like that. They were, they were, and uh, they were just crazy. None of the stuff that's out now. Um, and granted, I don't watch a lot of it. What I do see, I mean, there's the quirky stuff. I guess Adventure Time counts as quirky. Yeah, and, but uh, um, but it's more intentionally. Uh, that's its genre. That's its niche. Right. But these guys were obviously like, we're going to make this stuff interesting. In terms of G.I. Joe and well, the I mean, Transformers cartoon. Well, here's, here's the difference between Adventure Time and, and what G.I. Joe was doing. Adventure Time understands that there are... That there's potential for merchandising, but their story first. Right. Their, their, their intent is to, mm-hmm. you know, we have this world we're going to build and we're mm-hmm. going to do this great cartoon... If whatever happens, what happens with it? But this is what we're going to do first. It's totally flipped on it. These are nothing. These are nothing but thirty-minute commercials. You know, oh, yeah. yeah we we want the latest. You know, mm-hmm. we need the latest toy. So the reason why Optimus Prime died. Optimus Prime only dies in, in, in Transformers the movies because because Hathro is relaunching a, yeah. another wave. You know, Rodimus is supposed to come in, and so 
they never anticipated the attachment kids had with these. I mean, what you know, sociologically, they were creating for us. You know, the, the, the you know every right. you know. That's why even now, it's weird to hear Peter Cullen's voice. And we're like, hey, respect, right? It is it's right. Optimus Prime. It's right. You it. Listen, you listen to Optimus Prime. Yeah. Optimus yeah. Prime tells me something. I'm going to do it. He's the he should have ran for president. He had won. He's the ultimate good guy. He is the ultimate good guy. Better than any Joe. Better than any other Transformer. Better than anything. And I can't think of another character in movies. Maybe Luke Skywalker, who's considered as pure good. But Optimus is the leader. He's never in doubt. He's you know it's it's, it's a strange thing, but that is the way it turned out. Right. And then Rodimus is like, who the hell cares about this guy? Yeah. It's <laughs> like so what he's got pipes that become lasers on his arms. Yeah, he's, you know, he's got his ghetto flames on the side of his, <laughs> his chassis. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. You know, you know Optimus or bring back Optimus. I mean, even Megatron when they turned into like Galatron and made Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> Thank you, Orson Welles. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite I don't know, I Transformers, Transformers episode is the one with Cobra Commander. Uh, See, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen that one. So good, and I've heard about it because it's because he's just going around blowing up Transformers. <laughs> he's just going around blowing up Transformers, and he don't care if they're Decepticon or Autobot. And in the end, you see the face mask. He pulls back the hood. Oh, it's Cobra Commander. So awesome. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. As far as I know, it's the only cartoon crossover. Um. Most of the comic ones have been pretty awful. Yeah. Uh, I remember the ones from... Um, it was Devil's Do? That, yeah. That were atrocious. I, I like what they tried to do. The The one they said like in World War Two was interesting. With Jai Lee's art. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And just kind of... It was pretty. And just dropped the bomb on that. Yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And the one they're doing now is pretty, pretty awful. Um, the one that IDW is doing with the kind of uh, throwback Jack Kirby art. It doesn't work. Doesn't work? Mm-hmm. No. No. But what do you do? You know, um, I guess when our generation dies out, nobody will remember all this stuff. I, I, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, I think. I guess Michael Bay is ensured that people remember it for one reason or another. Well, I mean, I, I got this great documentary, and I'm, I'm going to try to have these guys on the podcast called Plastic Galaxy. And it, it's the. Um, the history of Kenner Star Wars toys. And it's fascinating. And what stuck out with me with that is that, you know, we're we're that generation that grew up with that. And, you know, we're having kids and we're passing that fandom on to, to the next That's generation. True. That's true. And so, I mean, you know, I think G.I. Joe will have a resurgence, just like Star Wars did. It just, G.I. Joe has, I don't think Hasbro's figured out what to do with it yet. And, and, and so I think. They haven't found the right movie tie-in. I don't think they're looking at it seriously. And I hate to I hate to put it this way, but I think Marvel's currently got property down. They understand what to do with property. They do. They do. I mean, you know, yeah. you know, this is the right amount of way to tie-in. This is the way to do a film. Mm-hmm. This is because because I'm I'm a fan, and I've, I've mentioned this in the podcast a few times. I like the Marvel movies are fine. I really like films post Avengers I, I can I don't really have to see Iron Man 1 and 2 ever again I've seen them they're fine but I, I will watch Avengers I will watch Guardians of the Galaxy over and over again I will watch Winter Soldier over and over yeah. again and I think what makes them work is that you Captain America Winter Soldier is not a Captain American film it is a political spy thriller it really is with Captain America yeah. and that works 
And I think G.I. Joe could work that way. You do that high-level kind of... I mean, you make G.I. Joe what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be the protectors of, of the planet versus a terrorist organization. Well, it's like any good storytelling. You make a story, and then you put these badass characters, characters in the story. Right, and I but think the that's, story has to be what pops. Right, and and it, so far mm. it's only been, well, these are you know these are properties that we own. Let's put some... some some movie stars in it, and it, things will happen. Yeah. And it doesn't. It you know, I liked about sixty percent of Rise of uh, the the Rise mm-hmm. of Cobra. Mm-hmm. I I would take out France, the whole scene in France. <laughs> I, I would have just, and, and that movie's tend to, the stuff with the robot suits didn't make sense to me. It wasn't GI Joe. It no. wasn't. No, and, and I hate uh, sounding like the old get off my lawn, but it wasn't. Well. They're trying for so much cool factor that they're missing out on making a movie. Right. And it's just spectacle after spectacle after spectacle. And um, it's just, you're not attached to it. And you hear me reciting all this G.I. Joe verse. Right. Or just sitting here talking, but I can't tell you much of what happened in those movies. And right. I saw them both. Right. You know, um, I remember Jinx and Snake Eyes fighting some ninjas on them cliff in the second one i think i only remember that because that was in the trailer and that's all you saw for the trailer yeah, and uh kind of fun really good you know effects the way that it was done um and i remember that snake eyes and storm shadow fought in both movies at some point but you know i remember walter goggins and um the second one because i'm just a huge fan of walter goggins and it was, <laughs> I, I love justified so i was like walter goggins <laughs> floyd crowder's <laughs> putting cobras in prison <laughs> that's a movie <laughs> And so, yeah, but if you came up with a great story, I mean, I think one of the reasons those cartoons resonate is because they did have an overarching story, mm-hmm. and you were concerned about if they were going to build a mass device or a stupid weather dominator, and uh, all the silly situations they put the characters in to get to that point. Right? Hell, and and we disagree on our Cobra leaders, but I'm a huge Serpentor fan, and he's awful. <laughs> he destroyed everything I good. Love- I love how ridiculous he was and how science fictiony he is. Like that doesn't make sense. And he's he's ridiculous, but he's only ridiculous because of Sergeant Slaughter, which is <laughs> who's more ridiculous, right? Yes. And so, and, and the, actually, the only real person in GIJ, right? Except for the fridge, for, except for the fridge. <laughs> That's true. Who was all muscular? Or or if if you got your own GI Joe with um, <laughs> uh, create a create a, the, the, create, there was a create a cobra but there was a uh, there was a cobra with Joe guy um, yeah I know what you're talking about Steel Brigade yeah Steel Brigade Steel Brigade yeah. and so look at that I think I actually mentioned it on the holiday special I think it was, so it was people were like you pull that stuff you talked about last week but you understand we didn't talk about last week we talked <laughs> about three weeks four weeks ago but because um, we talked we, we did a whole, um, a whole bit about um, Christmases and I talked about the, the Christmas I got the Terror Dome which is you know the ultimate dark Barbie dream house for boys. <laughs> that was such a cool toy. Yeah. And so, but uh, you know, I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're in the there, no man. <laughs> See, that's what Fathead needs to do. Fathead needs to do uh, needs to do like like decals for like rooms and cook vehicles and stuff. You know, like no step and <laughs> Cobra. <laughs> Like, you you would buy that in a heartbeat. Like iron grid, but it's like the bars, and you've got like snake eyes behind the bars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's a good idea. But you know, I, I think I wish studios would kind of look at at at, at what's working. I don't, like I don't think DC will get it right either. Warner Warner's not going to get it right with you know. I, and I will go see 
Donna Justice, I will probably go see everything they come out with because I'm, you know, I keep hoping. Uh, I will, and I think some of them will be hits because I think some of the uh, directors that are getting involved are good. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought uh, about Man of Steel because I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Zack Snyder fan, and I'm a huge. I am too, and it was, and it just fell apart in the second half for me, which I think it did for most people, I guess. I think, yeah, I, for me, it didn't start. For me, it didn't seem like a Zack Snyder film, and you know, Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder to me, and Lover hating, but to me, he's, you know, he's like Tim Burton when you. you you know what you're getting into mm-hmm. when you see it. You, it's going to have this certain look and the certain stuff. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I'm such a fan. I like Sucker Punch, and I don't know three people who like Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch is weird as hell, and I and but I I, I like Sucker Punch. It's yeah, crazy fun though. It's crazy fun, visually interesting, and something different and not seen mm-hmm. before. I was hoping to get something like that with Man of Steel, and I got one shot in the whole film that I thought really <laughs> seemed like. Um, a Zack Snyder shop, and that was the one that toward the end where it's the flashback when he's putting on the red cape as a boy. Yeah, that's a Zack Snyder. That's all right. Zack Snyder. You know him. That's my five second homage to comics right there. The rest of it's, I think, too many hands were involved. And well, I think that's. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know anything firsthand, but what you read, um, I think that's one thing Marvel has done correctly, and hopefully, will continue to do correctly is tap into the the minds that they're using. Um, I, I read that when Gunn submitted his first uh, first draft for Guardians of the Galaxy, Joss Whedon said, "This is great, but there's not enough James Gunn in this script. Go back and make it yours." And so, a lot of the charm you see mm-hmm. if you watch Slither, um, yeah, so you can great. see. I saw Slither at your house for the first time. Yeah, you can see, you know, that translated into Guardians of the Galaxy, right. and not just because of Michael Rooker, who's amazing, right? Like oh yeah, do. Um, but and Marvel's doing a lot of that, and hopefully we're not seeing them homogenized too much by you know running off Edgar Wright from Ant Man or right. Uh, but they went to kind of quirky creators to fix that up too, Adam McKay to write it and mm-hmm. so on, or to, to to rework the script and so on. And I, I won't lie, when when I heard Guardians was coming out, I wasn't I wasn't on the fence. I was like, all right, this this a is a big risk. It's a property that hardly anyone knows about outside. I mean, mm-hmm. I knew about it, but I knew about it like from the. I wasn't so familiar with the seventies. I was more familiar with the, that nineties. Yeah. With. Uh, oh yeah, the Jim Valentino. Stat, right. Yeah. yeah. Which is just. It's totally Gonzo. It's crazy. And, yeah. And, and, an entire race called the Stark that live off of Iron Man's parts and crazy <laughs> stuff like that. And uh, man, yeah. And one of them's got Captain America's shield. And, yeah. But it's all just every. It's like a future Marvel character of the month. Right. Every issue brought in those people. Right. It's like it, it's not my bag, but no, either. And I like I, the high drama soap opera of Claremont X Men. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of silly stuff, like eh. And I, so you know, when I heard about Guardians, and then I was like, oh, uh, oh, and Rocket Raccoon. How the hell they're going to do that? And it's fantastic, yeah. believable, and wonderful, and. And so I, I think they have a good momentum. Momentum, I will say. I mean, yeah, I was I was really excited. I I bought the Rocket Raccoon miniseries from like '84 that mm-hmm. Mike Mignola, the Hellboy creator, yeah, drew um, off the spinner racks at the Junior Foods store down the street from where my grandparents lived. Junior Foods. I oh, mean, I bought some good comics at Junior <laughs> Foods stores. That's a throwback. Oh yeah. 
That's a throwback. Yeah, that's where I got most of my comics back in the day. Before got a lot I knew of my... that there was such a thing as a comic shop. Um, uh, there was no com- local comic shop for us where, where I grew up in Bimonette, so I got most of them to Harco and Piggly Wiggly. Yep. I'll spend them right on Harco and Piggly Wiggly. And then I would, every, every couple months, I'd get to go to Sincere and pick stuff up from <laughs> Get chewed out for being alive. And, uh... <laughs> no, I didn't run into any of that stuff until later on. But, wow. But, uh, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Whatever happened to that guy? <laughs> uh, last I heard, he was driving a truck. Because I put him out of business. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't work out for us either, so it's okay. It's a tough. But racket. I did it by choice. It's a tough racket. I mean, it's it's a. I mean, it's like any other business. And well, I mean, anything you do in publishing or comics, you do because it's a passion. Yeah, because you, know, you know it's hard to make money, and you know only uh, there's only a couple of Mark Millers in the world <laughs> that can just write a script and have it optioned before he even names an artist. So that <laughs> he can do that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that new one looks good, by the way. What's he working on? Uh, what's the name of that one? The um, Secret Service. Uh, Samuel Jackson and uh, Colin Firth. Uh, oh, uh, Kingsman. The Kingsman, yeah. yeah. That's been like, I've, I've seen him advertised for eight months in theaters. And it's, it's, it's got a February release date. So it's like, I don't think, well, that, that seriously screams that studios have no faith in it. Yeah. So, I mean, they're sending it out to die. I don't know. But, what I've seen looks really fun. I'll go I check mean, it I out. I mean, I'll go see it. I, was, I, um, I saw Into the Woods. No, wait. I did see Into the Woods, but um, what did I see before that? That's when I saw the last trailer for it, for, for Kingsman. I can't remember what I saw. Then. But anyway, it did not happen, but I saw a trailer for it. <laughs> Maybe it's something I rented. Anyway, I had forgotten about it, and it showed back up, and it was like, saw the February release date, and it was mm-hmm. like... Ooh, that's not good. <laughs> At least there's something to watch in February. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but. So, what else is in the pipeline for you? We're getting close to our hour, so. <laughs> um, well, uh, all the ongoing series uh, continue apace. Uh, we've just finished up. Uh, Roadkill Du Jour, that's actually the last issue. It'll be available in our web store um, in probably about three weeks. I'm sending it to the printer tomorrow. Just finished up proofing today, running it through a couple of my partners for further proofing tonight, but I think it's ready to go. Um, the Absentee 2, with art by Rando Dixon and Kate Frizzell, looking at a late January Kickstarter launch. Oh. Well, you know us, we'll be definitely behind that with, with you guys on that one. Thank you. And then uh, Last Ride for Horseman 2 featuring uh, Pestilence and Steampunk Western Glory. Um, <laughs> probably late February at this point. Very cool. Um, Nathan Smith and Gavin Michelli doing the art on that one. And then uh, right following on the heels of that, um, Flesh of White 4 finishing up that series with um, story by Erica Heflin and uh, art by Amanda Rachels. Um, and that's probably our most acclaimed title, our most well-known title. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a lot, lot in the hopper, and then some new series that we're just starting production on in the next couple of months. That probably too early to talk about, just because nobody will remember by the time <laughs> they come out. Yeah. So, but um, three projects in the works that'll be kicking off here soon. That's very, very cool. So, where everyone can find you? Let's 
Inversepress.com is our website. It's a web store. You can find our comics there. Um, digital PDF downloads are print. We'll mail them to you. Um, you can find us on Comixology under Inverse Press. Uh, so you can get the guided view versions of Clown Town, Last Ride for Horseman, Rise of the Hurricane. Um, on Twitter, at Inverse Press, and just search Inverse Press on Facebook. <laughs> so... Pretty, pretty easy to find. Well, yeah, this was get, fun. We branded. Yeah, so I guess it's the same here. Everything is Mopcast Network, and mm-hmm. you know, it, and it, it's what you got to do. It's it's the thing. It's definitely the thing. Well, this was awesome. Thank you for the yeah, nice. tour of, of the Terradome that is the Inverse Press headquarters. Mm-hmm. And uh, good just, to talk about ancient comics and toys. I hope uh, <laughs> somebody listening knows what the hell we were oh, referring to. <laughs> I think I, I think the people who listen to us will either a know what or b you know what Google it. You know, I, I you know if if you're younger than us, you missed out on an awesome time to be a, a kid in America. We had some of the best toys, and I'll, I'll stack it up to anybody. And the best marketing for those toys, if the cartoons are marketing some of those, um, not counting human, that was awful. But uh, oh, come on! No, those He-Man cartoons are terrible. The toys are okay. The, yeah, the cartoons were, were just god awful. I'm He-Man. <laughs> I've got a kitty cat. <laughs> but, uh, oh, but you know what's worse than the cartoons? The movie, yeah. Masters of the Universe. Is, yeah. Courtney Cox is in that, and Dolph Lundgren, and um, Frank Langella, Frank Skeletor. Skeletor. <laughs> you know, you regress the hell out of that. I don't think so because he wanted to do a second one. He was on board. He was. He was on board. Because, you know, it ends with, you know, the, the, his face, like, like yeah. <laughs> we're going to get a sequel, and we didn't. It could still happen. <laughs> Longer's still working out, I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, Courtney Cox is about to finish up uh, Cougar Town. So. <laughs> <laughs> they could all still play those roles, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> we're, not, we're not discounting anything. Anyway, human cartoons suck, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lots of fun ideas and fun being the operative word. Not all those cartoons were meaningful or uh, certainly not profound, but well, fun. Part of that's because they, you know, the the budget. They only did like forty five cells of animation instead of sixty. Like you just at sixty, and because yeah. it's just cheaper to do, and they could do more well, episodes. Yeah, for anybody listening, if you don't know what we're talking about, go online. There's got to be a place to look at. Um, Old episodes of the G.I. Joe cartoon. Look at the one called Cold Slither. And or just the, YouTube Cold Slither. You'll find At least find the song. Yeah. And uh, or the one called The Viper. Because those are hilarious. Oh, yeah. They're just silly, silly fun. Um, and the sequel to Cold Slither. The one about the, the USS flag that sunk. <laughs> Did you ever have the flag? Uh, man, I, don't, I always wanted one. Uh, but I never thought I'd have room for it. And when I would find one, they wanted too much for it. Right. Because when I was able to afford it, they were rare. So right, are pieces of garbage. Right, I um, and I never had a vehicle to transport it. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> things are gigantic. It's a, it's a seven foot long toy. Yes, it's a, and so um, I've only seen one as a kid. I didn't um, a neighbor um, neighbor actually was my my grandmother's landlord. And her, their family, the children had the USS flag. And it would sled under their bed, and it was awesome. <laughs> Not Terradome awesome, but it was still... No, Terradome is the uh, the king of the large format bases for mm-hmm. G.I. Joe. For G.I. Joe headquarters was garbage. G.I. Joe headquarters was garbage. It's got a cannon that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> it just sits up there one direction. You can't well, even change the angle. Right, it's right. It's just, 
It's so like if they if they come here, right? It makes them. it would make sense to me like if it was in Damascus, you know, with <laughs> facing the sea, you know, the cannons. You, know, you can't come through the Iron Desert, you know, like in Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. They're never going to come from the desert. Mm-hmm. They're only going to come from the sea. No, Jeddah headquarters is like in Death Valley, and it's like makes no sense. So yeah, well. And any of the time, they, the umpteen times they come to decommission the Joe program, I can see them blow up the uh, the emissary that's coming to tell them because that's the only story anybody can come up with is to decommission the Joes. That's all anybody does when they write that, except Larry Hama. Larry Hama's the man. Yes. His Wolverine run. Come on. Amazing. Awesome. Oh, my God. Albert and um, what's the little girl's name? Uh, the little android. Elsie? Yes, it was Elsie. Elsie, yeah. Something like that. Mm. LCD. Yes. The whole name. LC, right. yeah, LCD. Took me a minute. That's a reach. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll never forget that run because it's that good Silvestri. Mark yeah. Silvestri did, did the art for that, yeah. Cyberforce guy. Very awesome. Which he shouldn't be remembered for Cyberforce because it's terrible. <laughs> once again, again, image. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I remember all that Larry Hama stuff mm-hmm. with his art on it, but I don't remember any of Cyberforce. <laughs> Except Ripclaw. Ripclaw. <laughs> The guy who couldn't eat a sandwich because he would cut itself apart before it got to his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's Native sad. American. Native, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> they they never do our people right. <laughs> well, uh, I will post some links. Uh, I you know what I'll do for at the end of this episode. I will post the Cold Slither song at the end of this, so you'll hear that shortly. <laughs> Because everyone needs to hear that at least once in their life, and then you can from there you can search out your own GIJ stuff. It's 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 fun. It's better than the last couple of Misfits albums. I'll just put it that way. So. <laughs> I've not listened to those. So I would have probably so. Better than anything Taylor Swift's doing. Let's go, go with that. There's no question about that. Bring on the dreadnoughts. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Mobcast Network.